My name is Greg Boyd. I'm the senior pastor here at Woodland Hills Church. And you guys all look marvelous this morning, I have to say. You just look marvelous. Uh, you're precious, precious people. And uh, I always just feel it's such a privilege to come and crack open the word with you. I really do. I, I'm a blessed man. As we're going to find out here this morning, in about one minute, prayer is absolutely vital for everything in the kingdom. And I'd like to ask our prayer team and whoever else wants to join them to be praying for this message as the message is going forward. That everybody here in the audience and everybody who's listening uh, through, through the, the parishioners, um, uh, that, that it would have the power and the impact it's supposed to have in their life. So be in prayer on this. Just sprinkle your listening in with prayer. We're this morning continuing our study of the book of Luke. This is just what we do here at Woodland Hills Church. Nothing fancy. We just go through the Bible. And we're now up to Luke chapter 11, and we're starting with verse 5. We finished the last several weeks on the Lord's Prayer, and now we're moving into another section on prayer. I want to entitle this, The Insane Importance of Prayer. The Insane Importance of Prayer. And the reason is because, as we'll see here, the importance that God gives to prayer is insane. And from a natural perspective, a non-kingdom perspective, the perspective of the natural man, as the Bible says, from that perspective, it's insane to believe that prayer has that much importance. So we're going to confront something fleshy here this morning, the insane importance of prayer. Luke chapter 11, starting with verse 5, reading from the TNIV version. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, Lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has just come to me, and I've got nothing to give him, and he's hungry. And suppose the one inside, the supposed friend says, don't bother me. The door's already locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, Jesus says, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, and the word has the connotation there of shameless persistence, Because you will not give up, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need just to get you off his back. (laughs) Go home. Raid my refrigerator. Let me go back to bed. So I say to you, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And those who seek find. And to those who knock, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Daddy, can I have an egg for breakfast? No, you get a poisonous scorpion. (laughs) Of course not. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Let's pray here for a moment that God will anoint this message. Our heavenly dad, Abba, we implore you to come and fill this word with your authority, with your presence, with your power right here and right now to ride into our ears and then into our minds and then into our hearts and build your kingdom. And rip away anything that's not of you. Anything that resists receiving and believing this message. We're so conditioned by the world and how we see things and how we think. Lord, give us the openness to, to allow you to confront that and transform us. 
In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. I'm going to hover on this passage for a couple of weeks because it raises some very, very important issues about a very, very important topic. Uh, this passage flows naturally out of the passage that we've just been studying for a couple of weeks, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Jesus is still answering the question that the disciples, or the request of the disciples to teach us to pray. You know, that's what gave rise to the Lord's Prayer. And he's, he, Jesus is still answering that question in these texts. The Lord's Prayer was mainly about lo- the Lord giving us the content of what to pray. This is, these are the kinds of things you should pray about. And now he's giving us the right attitude to have when we pray, the right faith to have when we pray. And what he says, just to put all the cards on the table, it's very simple. There's three things that we're to keep in mind when we pray. Three things. First, we're to pray with shameless audacity, which is about having a bold and aggressive persistence that will not give up. We just press on through. That's, we're, we're, that's to be on our mind when we pray. Second, we're supposed to know that God wants to answer our prayers. Uh, if, if we who are imperfect, we, give, we love to give good gifts to our kids when they ask for an egg, we don't give them a scorpion. Well, God also wants to answer our prayers. We're to believe that when we go to pray. And thirdly, we're to pray expecting it to be answered. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. Ask and it will be given unto you. Those are the three things Jesus says we're to keep in mind as we pray. That's the attitude and the faith that we're to have when we go before the Lord in prayer. Now that raises a bunch of questions. At least it does for me. And that's what I'm going to be wrestling with over these three weeks. Uh, Here's a few of the questions. If God wants to answer our prayers so badly, why do we have to be so persistent about them? Uh, you know, my son would have to ask for uh, an egg once and I'll give him the egg. Why do, why do we have to be persistent? In fact, why do we have to pray at all? God knows what we're thinking. God knows what we're feeling. God knows what we want. Why does he just give, if he wants to give it to us, why does he wait for us to ask, let alone ask with persistence? What's up with that? And does prayer really make a difference anyways? I mean, one could think this way. God is all good, right? And if God's all good, he always does the best thing. He never does anything less than the best because then he wouldn't be all good. And so if God always does the best thing, then if I'm asking him to do the best thing, he was going to do it anyways. And if I'm asking him to do something that's less than the best, he's not going to do it even though I asked him. So what possible difference could my talking to him make? You know, and, and it's that kind of thinking that can lead some of us to think that prayer really doesn't matter all that much. It's really not that important. It's sort of a pro forma religious activity that we're supposed to go through, but God's going to do what he's going to do anyways. Why are, we so, why are we encouraged so much to pray if it doesn't seem to make any difference? Here's another question. Now is it... Uh, odd that God wants us to pray, but... Sometimes doesn't it seem that we ask for an egg and in fact we get a scorpion? Honestly, I mean, we just want to be honest here. Um, not only is the prayer not answered, but something worse happens. A family prays for protection before they go on a trip. They get in a car accident and one of their children dies. That's a scorpion. So, so we've got to wrestle with this stuff and we're not going to unpack all that here this morning. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be wrestling with this over the next couple of weeks. What I want to do this morning is, is, is more foundational of that. I'll answer one of the questions, I think. But uh, I want to lay a foundation here. Uh, what is the basic biblical teaching about prayer? 
And then we'll move on to answer some of the questions and nuance the point uh, in the weeks to come. But uh, uh, here I want to stress what prayer is and why it is so profoundly important. And if you've been to Wilderness Church for any length of time, a year or two, some of this may be review. But I don't feel bad about this because we can't review this stuff too much. This is foundational kingdom activity as we're going to see. As we're going to see. So, our little review about what prayer is. And I can be fast on this because we talked about this just a couple weeks ago. Prayer is simply talking to God. It's a fancy word for talking to God. That's all prayer is. Now, we sometimes, and the tradition has sometimes made that, made prayer into something other than that. Uh, we make prayer into sort of a special religious activity. And because it's a special religious activity, sometimes we, 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 we uh, use special language when we pray. Here's where we bring out the thous and the thithers and the withers. And we speak with a special religious tone. And we have special religious gestures that we do. And special religious postures we assume. And, 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 and what happens is, is, is when you make prayer that kind of special religious thing, it gets compartmentalized from the rest of your life. This is something that we Western people do far too much of. Uh, our Christianity becomes sort of a compartmentalized thing that we add on to the rest of our life. It's our once-a-week thing. And prayer becomes our maybe once-a-day thing, or maybe that's even a once-a-week thing. But it doesn't have much to do with the rest of your life. We live the rest of our life like secular people, uh, and God has very little to do, with, to do with it. We just add on a little bit of church, and maybe once in a while we pray. But see, prayer isn't supposed to be, and church isn't supposed to be, a special thing that we add on to our life. Our life is supposed to be the kingdom. Every aspect of our life is supposed to be a, a domain in which God reigns. And, and so it's so important that we tear down the walls of compartmentalization. And don't make prayer a special religious activity, but rather learn how to make prayer part of our ordinary life. It's just part of what we do as ordinary people. It's just talking to God, and God is always there, so we always want to talk to Him. Now, it's really good to have special times of prayer. I believe in that. And I think biblically, the best time to pray, and from my own experience, it's been the best time to pray, is first thing in the morning. Because it takes me about eight seconds, once I'm out of bed, for the world to come in and I've, my ADD brain starts going crazy and I've got a million things to do and, and you're, you just get brain clutter. Uh, first thing in the morning, just to surrender it to God, concentrate it to God. I, before I even get out of bed, uh, I, I go through the day that's before me and I ask God to just bless certain parts of the day and lead me and direct me in certain ways. And whoever comes to mind, I pray for them. Whatever situations come to mind, I, I just pray for those situations. But there does need to be a separate time, a consecrated time to God in prayer. But prayer also has to be part of our ordinary life. We need to become people who pray as naturally as we breathe. It's just part of you know, Jesus, Jesus in this passage here, he makes prayer so ordinary. No special language. You know, it, it, it's just something that kingdom people do. It is as natural as a child asking dad for an egg. That's what prayer is like. And it's very simple. It doesn't have to be long. doesn't have to be profound. doesn't have to be insightful. You don't have to change your tone of voice. You don't have to do any special gestures. You just talk to God. He's right there. We saw that with the Lord's Prayer. Here's what you should pray. Father, you're, you're holy. Uh, bring your kingdom, meet our daily needs, forgive us our sins, and help us to be people that have, don't have to go through testing. Pretty straightforward. Pretty, pretty simple. Prayer is simple. Prayer is ordinary. And we want to become uh, such that we, we integrate it into every, every aspect of our life. Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians. Pray continually. Everybody say continually. 
Now, whatever else we might take that to mean, it means that we should strive to make our day one long, prolonged conversation with God. Talk to God when you're washing the dishes. Talk to God when you're driving the car. Talk to God when you're going shopping. Uh, just be talking to God. Uh, you, you, we, we can train ourselves to be a sort of people who just instinctively respond to life situations by talking to God, the creator of the universe. Uh, you hear an ambulance and you just say, Lord, whoever needs that ambulance, oh, I pray healing on them and comfort on them and God give the doctors wisdom. Uh, you're watching the news and there's a catastrophe that happened. Lord, just touch the people that are there, raise up some means of meeting those things. And you do it while you're watching TV. You don't have to turn the TV off and go into your room and pray. You can do it right there. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're in, the, in the shopping mall and, and you just start blessing people. We tell people to do that all the time. You disagree with God that every person you see has unsurpassable worth because you know that Jesus died for them and so you just bless them. Lord, bless that person. Oh God, bless that family over there. Lord, thank you for making that family. God, just bless them. You're, you're using your authority as a believer to bless people. You're changing the world in different ways as you're praying for them. Whatever, it's just a natural part of life. Sometimes my wife and I will hear about something and we're having a conversation. And right then and there, we'll just say, Lord, we just pray for this child we just found out about who's got meningitis. We just heal that baby of that, that issue there and give the doctors wisdom if that's necessary and comfort the parents. And then we go back to our conversation. Nothing special, nothing weird, no tone change. You're just talking to God. Weave conversations with God uh, throughout your day. And watch how it changes your mindset, your outlook on life, how it releases stuff in you, it releases the kingdom in you. Because what you're doing is when, when, we, when we talk to God about any particular person or any particular situation, we're inviting God into that situation, which is how we, we pull down the kingdom. And that's what our job is here in life, uh, is to bring about God's will on earth as it is in heaven. God's waiting for us to invite him. And so you're inviting God into the situation of the person who needs the ambulance. You're inviting God into the situation of your marriage or, or the, the thing you just saw on television or just read in the newspaper or the neighbor you just saw walking the dog. You said a blessing prayer on them. You're inviting God to bring the kingdom to some degree into each of those lives and into each of one of those situations. Make prayer an ordinary part of your life. Just talk to God. People may look at you and think that you're rather strange. When did we start caring about that? Really? <laughs> Okay, that's what prayer is. It's just talking to God. Let's say something about the importance of prayer. Whispering to God or just thinking to God, uh, conversations and prayers, may seem like a perfectly trivial activity. Then to the natural mind, this is trivial, this is inconsequential, this is unimportant. We're conditioned by the world to put such trust in cause and effect that we can see and measure, and we normally can't see the cause and effect of prayer. And so it can strike us as trivial, maybe even foolish. And yet what we're going to see here is that this is a central kingdom activity. It, is, it, it, it captures the essence of what kingdom people are to be about. God has just set up the world. He's created the universe such that talking to him affects him and therefore affects what comes to pass. In fact, as I read scripture, I would say this. Talking to God is probably the most important activity we ever engage in in our life. As I, I, just going from Scripture. Now, God could run the universe all by himself. He's the sovereign God. He's the omnipotent God. He could call all the shots on his own. But he's chosen, he's sovereignly chosen to create a world where he relies on people to talk to him to accomplish many of the things that he wants to accomplish. 
in prayer, he invites us to, in prayer, partner with him on bringing the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And things genuinely hang on whether or not the people of God will pray. Now, why would God do that? Why would God do that? Think about it. The primary purpose for God creating the world in the first place, at least so far as he's revealed it to us, the primary purpose is for him to enter into a relationship with us. A relationship is all about communication. If two people are related, to the extent that they're related, they're communicating who they are to the other person. Not just verbally, but, but in a multitude of ways, we express who we are to another person. We're communicating. That's what a relationship is. Relationship is communication. And that communication, if the relationship is genuine, is mutually impacting. Both parties have an influence on one another. That's what it is to relate. That's what it is to communicate. If you have a, a so-called relationship where one party is influential on the other party, but that party has no influence on the first person, on the first party, that's not a relationship. A one-way communication and a one-way influence isn't a real relationship. That's a monopoly. That's a tyranny. That's not a relationship. And some wife just nudged her husband. Uh, <laughs> I've met a few marriages that come close to, to being that. No, there's got to be a mutual influence. And so since that's God's main objective, that's what he's going after, he, you can understand why he'd wire it into, he hardwires it into creation such that talking to him is the most important thing that we do. It, it's a, he puts a premium on our talking to him and, and makes, arranges things such that that is what impacts the world and transforms the world. And that's why things genuinely hang on people of God talking to God. That's why the Bible says in James chapter 5 that prayer is powerful and effective. Everybody say powerful. powerful. Everyone say effective. effective. There is no such thing as a wasted prayer. We may not be able to see the outcome of it, and we'll talk about why that is the case in the weeks to come, but we've got to believe on the authority of the word that all prayer, every conversation we have with God, is powerful. It's effective on changing the world. And that is why, folks, the Bible uh, uh, over and over again commands people to pray. In fact, it is one of the most, if not the most, uh, uh, commanded activity in the Bible. There are more if-then clauses associated with prayer than there are any other human activity. Second Chronicles, for example, probably the most famous example, says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. If then, if you pray, the land gets healed, which implies that if you don't pray, the land's not going to be healed. Things genuinely hang upon prayer. And that's what you find throughout the whole Bible. If then, if you pray, it gets done. If you don't pray, it doesn't get done. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is effective. Prayer is the secret power that's influencing world history. It doesn't look like that to the natural person, to the person looking at the world with a natural mindset, but on the authority of God's word, we know that it is so. One of the, the clearest examples of this in the Bible, and I like to cite it a lot whenever I talk about prayer because it's so powerful, but it's the episode in Exodus uh, 17 where the Israelites are going to battle against the Amalekites. And um, uh, the Lord tells Moses to go up on a hill, and to raise his hands towards heaven. And as long as his hands are up, his arms are stretched out towards heaven, the Israelites are winning the battle. But whenever his, his arms start to drop from fatigue, then the, the Amalekites start winning the battle. It's a bizarre story. And I always wonder what would happen if Moses decided to start doing jumping jacks. That would be kind of an interesting battle. <laughs> Back more. 
It's a bizarre story, but God sometimes uses bizarre things so that we remember them. And see, here's the principle he's getting at here. To the natural mind, it looks like, we always assess things this way, the battle will go to the army that, that, that's got the most soldiers, the best trained soldiers, the strongest soldiers, the fastest horses, and the smartest commander, and the best weapons. Whoever's got that's going to win this battle. When we assess things in that natural, rational kind of way, and those things aren't altogether unimportant, but what God is telling us here is that the, the most important variable determining who wins this battle has nothing to do with the battlefield. It's the guy that no one's looking at up on the hill whose arms are stretched towards heaven. It's the prayer warrior. All of life is like this. We assess things in terms of natural cause and fact, effect. We think we got it all, all figured out. That's why we put such emphasis on programs and, and, and capabilities and talents and things like that. And those things can be somewhat important. But what really determines the flow of history and the success of a church and many other things has to do with those people who are prayer warriors, whose hands are always lifted up towards heaven, who are interceding on behalf of the church, who are interceding on behalf of the pastors, those people who are talking to God because the sovereign God has ordained, ordained matters such that it's talking to him that more than anything else influences what comes to pass in this world. Sometimes the Bible suggests that the fate of a nation can hang on a single prayer. Uh, one of the most powerful passages in the whole Bible is uh, Exodus chapter 22. Listen to this. The people of the land practice extortion and commit robbery. Talking about the Israelites here. They oppress the poor and needy and they mistreat the foreigners, denying them justice. And by the way, those are the things that God usually punishes nations for in the Old Testament. thought it was kind of interesting. I look for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land. So I would not have to destroy it. God doesn't want to destroy it. But I found no one. So I will pour out my wrath on them and consume them with my fiery anger. Israel's broken covenant with God. They've committed robbery and extortion. Uh, they oppress the poor and the needy when they're supposed to be taking care of them. They're mistreating the foreigner and not giving them, them justice. So, so they deserve to be judged. But God doesn't want to judge them. Judgment is never God's preference. So God looks for someone to stand in the gap, to repair the wall, a prayer intercessor. You can find a number of examples in the Bible where a planned judgment was called off because God did find a, a prayer intercessor. In this case, however, he couldn't find anybody. He says, I look for someone to stand in the gap. But there was no one who responded. No one was willing to intercede on behalf of Israel. And so the land was punished. The nation was punished, which means this. The real reason why Israel was judged wasn't because of the robbery and the extortion and oppressing the needy and the poor and mistreating the foreigner. The real ultimate reason why they were punished was lack of prayer. Think about that. Dare we believe, dare we believe that that much can hang on prayer? It seems like such a trivial activity. But it's just like God. He's a very odd God. He got himself crucified on a cross. You know, it's just like God to take something that seems so small and so trivial and invest it with such importance. Perhaps the most important activity we ever engage in. God always chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and the weak things of the world to confound the strong. Can we believe that prayer is that insanely important? To the natural mind, it seems insane to believe that. But then again, most things about the kingdom seem insane to the natural mind. 
So we should stop being surprised when we start believing things that others maybe think are just crazy. The natural mind instinctively believes that the battle will be decided by how many warriors there are, how strong they are, how fast their horses is, how well trained they are, how many weapons they have, and how smart their commander is. That's just how the natural mind operates. But we're to understand that the real deciding variable in battles has to do not with the warriors, not with the strategy, not with the power. It has to do with somebody praying up on a hill. We have a totally different way of looking at the world. It seems obvious to the natural mind that everything hangs on who's in power, uh, what policies are in place, what nation is doing what, what armies are getting the upper hand, whose military is stronger. That's why, that's why people are so obsessed with politics. It's because they think everything in the future hangs on who gets in power and what policies get passed and, and what nation's got the upper hand. And it's not that those things are utterly unimportant, but kingdom people, we're supposed to have a very different perspective on the world. Here's a passage I found this week. It just hit me. I have to share it with you. It's Isaiah chapter 40. Uh, Isaiah writing at a time when Israel has been sieged and uh, is under attack. And he says, Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket to God. They are regarded as dust on the scales. In other words, they don't register. He weighs the islands or the continents as though they were fine dust. Before him, all the nations are as nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. Folks, we serve a very, very, very big God. A very big God. The nations are nothing to him. It's just not a big deal to God. America, nothing. Iraq, North Korea, China, Russia. Eh, they don't even register on the scale. All the governments of the world are just a drop in the bucket. All the politics of the world is less than nothing, worthless to God. No big deal to God. We serve a sovereign God, the creator God of the universe. Now, people with a natural mindset, they, because they, they only respond to the physical, what's tangible, what they can measure, uh, the cause and effect that they can assess by their own reasoning, because that's their perspective on the world, of course, they always believe. They put all their trust in getting the right person in power and getting the right policies in place because the fate of America hangs on it. But see, for the God for whom all the governments of the world are just dust on a scale, I don't think he's biting his nails over who the next president's going to be. I really don't. And if all of our trust is in him, we shouldn't be biting our nails either. People with a natural mindset, they, they naturally, just given the way they assess things, they're going to worry a lot about what nation's getting the upper hand and what military is stronger because the fate of the world hangs in the balance on that sort of stuff. But the God for whom all the nations are less than nothing, dust on the, 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 the scale, that God, he's not biting his nail, nails about what's going on in Pakistan right now or Israel or Palestine or North Korea or any place. And if our trust is in him, we shouldn't be biting our nails either. Our trust, folks, this is the kingdom. To let God reign in our life means we adopt his perspective on anything. Here's his perspective on the nations, on the militaries, on the policies, on the governments, on the politics. Our trust isn't to be in them. Our, our, our confidence isn't in militaries or governments or nations or politics. Our trust is in the Lord God Almighty, the creator of the universe who holds everything into existence by the word of his power, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's where our confidence is. Our total allegiance, our total trust is to be uh, centered on him. And see, if we keep our eyes fixed on him as we're told to, Oh, it just infuses your life with a sense of peace you could never, never otherwise get. Here's what Isaiah says 
and at a time that was very scary for Israel because they're coming up against Assyria. But here, here's what, 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 what Isaiah says. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Because they trust in you, for whom the nations and the militaries and the politics of the world are less than nothing. Kingdom people, don't get sucked into the natural mindset. Kingdom people, don't get sucked into putting your trust into something other than God. Don't get sucked into putting too much significance on what the nations are doing or what the politicians are doing. Put your hope in God. Keep your eyes fixed upon God, the sovereign Lord God Almighty. And at the same time, keep your arms raised towards heaven like Moses did. Because the sovereign God, creator of the universe, who holds all things in existence by the word of his power, that sovereign God has just ordained things such that what most affects him and what most affects the world is not the nations or the government or the politics or the military. It's the prayers of his people. It's when his children talk to him to bring about his will on earth as it is in heaven. God could rule the whole world by himself, but he wants a relationship with us, and so he genuinely empowers us to communicate with him, to genuinely affect him, and to genuinely affect, therefore, what comes to pass in the world. Think of it like this. As we just saw, the nations, the governments, the politics, and the military of the world mean nothing to God, but the quiet, secret prayers of his people mean everything to God. All the nations and the military and the politics, that's all just dust on a scale. It doesn't even register. But when one of his children talks to God, you just put a boulder on the scale, and that tips the balance. That changes everything. That changes everything. Can we believe that prayer is that significant? When we talk to God, not with special religious language, not with special rituals, when we're driving, when we're mowing the lawn, when we're fixing the pipe, when we're going to the bathroom, when we're out there shopping, when we're just talking to God, what you're doing, it seems so trivial, so insignificant, but you're tapping into the power that created the world. You're tapping into the power that rules all of world history. You're tapping into the power that sustains all things in existence right now. You're partnering with God to bring his will on earth as it is in heaven. What a privilege that is. What a responsibility that is. And it seems utterly insane to the natural mind. It maybe seems grotesquely impractical to the natural mind. It maybe even sounds grossly irresponsible to the natural mind. Some here may be thinking, wow, you're just encouraging people to be irresponsible. Now, you know what? This is taking responsibility here. When your trust is in God, you're taking responsibility by using the chips he's given you as a, as a child of the king to change what comes to pass by talking to him. It seems insane, but it's just like God to take the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and the weak things of the world to confound the strong, to overcome the strong. And so God ordains that the quiet prayers of his people affect the world, more so than nations, militaries, policies, and governments. Do you see the authority that we have as believers, if we have faith to believe this and walk in this and confront our, our conditioning of the culture to this think in terms of natural cause and effect, oh, we've got, to, we've got to just get out of that and have our eyes fixed on the King of kings and lords of lords and trust that our talking to him affects what comes to pass. The most powerful thing you can do to help the world has got nothing to do with how you're going to vote. It has nothing to do with whether you're going to run for office or carry a picket sign. And it certainly has nothing to do with whether or not you're going to pick up a gun. What it has to do with what you're going to do while you're on your knees and in the car and at the shopping mall and while you're watching TV. It has to do, the most important thing you can do for the world, has to do with the little prayers you whisper throughout the day 
while you're knitting, while you're driving, while you're fixing a pipe or working in the office. You're tapping into the power that created the world and holds the world in existence. The best and most powerful thing you can do for your marriage is to regularly talk to God together and apart. The best thing you can do for your kids is to talk to God about them. Best thing you can do for your mother-in-law is to talk to God about your mother-in-law or your father-in-law. Best thing you can do for your neighbor is to talk to God about your neighbor in good ways, not like backbiting ways. No, to, to bless them. Best thing you can do for your enemy is to talk to God about your enemy. Best thing you can do for Woodland Hills Church is to talk to God about Woodland Hills Church. Best thing you can do for any ministry of Woodland Hills Church is just to talk to God. Not, it doesn't have to be long and profound. You just utter some sentences as you're reading the bulletin, praying over the ministries that, that you're reading. Best thing you can do for the church. Best thing you can do for America is to pray for America. And the Bible says we're supposed to pray for our leaders. Just cover the leaders in prayer, asking God to give them wisdom to lead us in the ways of peace. That's all the Bible tells us about what our responsibility is towards our national leaders. And the best thing you can do for the world is to pray for the world. You are tapping into the power that created the world when you do that. That, folks, is the power of prayer. Don't put your trust in your natural mind, in natural reasoning, natural cause and effect. Don't put your trust in the nations, the governments, the politics, or the military. Don't put your trust in your own ingenuity either. Put your trust, all your trust, all your, all your allegiance and all your confidence on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who has willed to make you a partner and the way you cash in the chips as a partner is by talking to him. Talk to him. Talk to him. I'd like to invite the uh, worship team to come up again. We're going to go into another time of worship here. But before we do that, we're going to take up an offering. And before we do that, we're going to pray. But before I do that, I'm going to talk to Norm. Can, can we put this into practice? I know last night we had yeah, to stand and pray. And I did that this morning. That yeah, I'm going to do it right now. Cool. He just asked me to do what I was going to do. Um, okay, I want to put this into practice right now. If you're here this morning and have a need that you would like to have prayed for, we're not going to ask you what that need is or anything like that, but it could be about your family, it could be about your finances, it could be about your health, it could be about a, a spiritual issue, an emotional issue, uh, it could be anything. But I, if you would like to have specific prayer for you this morning, right here, right now, would you stand up? Stand up. Just receive prayer. Excellent. Those of us who are sitting... I want you to adopt three people that are standing. And you're going to spend the next three minutes praying for them. Just right where you're at. Uh, it's a private little talking conversation with God. If you want to raise your hands in their direction, uh, feel free to do that. You who are standing, I want you to be exercising faith, reminding yourself that prayer is powerful and effective and it's being directed towards you. Uh, in your mind, envision the, the, uh, the outcome of the prayer. This is, the, the, uh, the Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It's when we hold things as a substantial reality in our mind uh, that, and we push towards that, that is what faith is all about. So, so be believing in the power of prayer and the power of God here as the rest of us are going to be praying for you. So adopt three people, those of you who are sitting, those of you who are standing, you just receive this. And just start talking to God on their behalf. You can do it in your mind if you want. You can whisper it. You can do as loud as you want for all I care. doesn't matter. Just use ordinary language. Lord, show up right here and right now. Honor your word. Thank you, Lord, for making every whispered prayer here powerful and effective. It's powerful and effective. Make it powerful and effective to that person. Right now. Lord. Some of God here are worried about their finances. Lord, would you just comfort them? 
and give them their, this day their daily bread. Meet those needs, those physical needs. Some here, Lord God, are dealing with relationship issues. God, bring your kingdom into those relationships. The sweet presence of the Holy Spirit into those relationships. Bring forgiveness and, and healing into those relationships. And God, for those who have a physical need, God, we pray for them right now. Touch them, Lord. Bring healing into their life right here and right now. And those who are spiritually distraught, maybe depressed, maybe in despair, God, touch them. Sovereign Lord God, trust them. Or, uh, touch them. Help them to have their confidence in you. Help them to find their joy in you. Help them to see that you are the liberator. Liberate them right now, Lord. You are the comforter. Comfort them right now. God, we just bless every person who's standing. And any person who's listening right now by podcast, God, touch them if they're also in a place of need. In Jesus' name, we pray for them. Thank you, Lord God, for giving us the privilege and the responsibility of being your partners to bring about your will on earth as it is in heaven. And we just cash in those chips right now on behalf of each of these people who are standing. We ask, Lord God, you just continue to bless them, put your arms around them, hold them tight, help them to put their trust totally in you and their allegiance totally in you, free them from anything that may be uh, a bondage in their life, and help them to walk now, Lord, in the joy and the wholeness of the kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys who are standing. Bless you. Lord loves you. You may be seated. I'd like to ask the ushers to come forward, and we're going to now enter into a second time of worship. Worship is about ascribing worth to God, and we don't just do it with our words. We do it with our life, and we do it with our pocketbook, and so we start, as they did in the Old Testament, by taking up an offering. Um, you may have noticed the last couple weeks, that, in fact, the last couple months, that we're running a little behind on our, finan- on our budget. Uh, I just ask you to pray for the finances of Woodland Hills Church, that finances would never be an obstacle to us accomplishing the vision that God's given us. And we just ask everybody to listen to God and be obedient to God as to how he would have you support the ministry uh, to carry out the vision that he's given to us. So Lord, be glorified during this time. Holy Spirit, pack this place as we now worship you and ascribe worth to your name. Make your praise glorious. Amen. Amen. God is good. Woo!
King of kings, Lord of lords. Our life, we're here on earth to, to be the kingdom, to just manifest the beauty of the kingdom. We come against everything that disagrees with that kingdom. And we do that just by putting on display his character, making his praise glorious, saturating our life with prayer, talking to our Father, pulling down the kingdom on earth. This is our mission. We're missionaries in the world, folks. This is what we're called to do. Make his praise glorious. I'd like to ask the prayer team to come forward. And if you're here this morning and want to have more prayer on any need that you have in your life, uh, I encourage you to come forward and pray with these folks. Uh, they, it's just, I hope you believe in the power of prayer now. Um, if you want to just come forward and kneel at the altar, you can do that as well. If you want to just sit in your chair and pray, you can do that as well. If you want to just pray on the way home, you can do that as well. I don't care, just pray, all right? Uh, that's what we're here to do, amen. So Lord, as we leave this place, we ask God that you remind us about this message, God. Uh, just help us not to forget. Help us not to think back into a natural way of thinking with our natural trusts and allegiances that we ordinarily build, Lord God. Help us to keep that unique kingdom perspective that, that has our eyes always fixed on you and that trusts in you and trusts in the power of, of talking to you to bring things to pass, Lord God. Make us a people of faith who live faithfully as you build your kingdom in us and through us. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said one last time. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Let's go build the kingdom.